Hello, and welcome to episode 246 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Jason D. and Jamie S. to The Modern Manager community. And a warm welcome to you, of course. Now, today's guest is Vivek Ayani. Vivek is a professional speaker and author. He's written three books on millennials and consults to Fortune 500 organizations to bridge the generational gap within their teams. We talk about what managers can learn from millennials and Gen Z and what those generations can learn from the older ones, all in service of making the workplace healthier and stronger for all of us. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Vivek. I'm really excited to talk with you about millennials and what we can learn from them because I'm actually a millennial and I wear that badge proudly despite some of the criticisms of millennials. So welcome today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and to share a little bit more about what millennials are facing as leaders as well. All right. So let's just start with what I think is maybe one of the biggest things around millennials, which is their feeling of entitlement, that this has come up so many times in so many spaces. And <laughs> it's it's a myth, right? So can you share a little bit about from your perspective and work, what are you seeing that millennials are really saying when people are, are interpreting it as being this type of yeah. entitlement? Yeah, so, well, basically, millennials have been saying some things that we are already now putting into action. So, for example, pre-COVID, millennials were saying we could work from home. The technology has already improved and we should be being more productive in that sense. But we weren't heard, I think, as as much. But then COVID forced our hands and then we all moved into working from home. And then now nobody wants to go back to the office as much, right? So. What we do see is that millennials and the Gen Zs, in fact, have these tendencies to really do things efficiently and make sure that if I can reduce the number of steps to do a certain task from 10 steps to maybe three steps, I want to do that. But because some organizations or managers may be more comfortable with following the 10 steps, the SOP, the standard operating procedures, they don't see that this this is something that we could improve on. And they say, let's just stick to the 10 steps. Let's not change anything. So that aversion to change is something that really gets to millennials. And they feel like we are not really growing here because nobody's listening to how we could be making things better. So that so when there is this kind of a clash and they feel like they are not listened to and then they get... And the older generations or the managers feel like these people are always coming up with new things to change. And I'm not really sure we should be, you know, changing everything that it hasn't it hasn't failed us before. So why should we change it? So that kind of dialogue happens at the workplace and it kind of makes people feel very uncomfortable with one another when they when when they don't get along. Right. So so that's where this labeling comes in. And entitlement is something that, you know, they they do have different experiences. I've talked to different managers. Different managers have different experiences with millennials. And in a way, it's interesting that entitlement is the one that always 
comes up. It always comes up because they feel that when millennials are suggesting certain things, they're not taking the full picture into account, right? So that's why we see a lot of these labels coming up. Stereotypes are also one of the things that happen is that we tend to already hear these stereotypes before we even meet certain millennials. So it's also like a confirmation bias, like we hear about it, then we interact with them, and then we, oh yeah, you have that behavior that the other person was talking about. So there's a lot of these things in play when it comes to engaging and working with millennials. Yeah, I want to pick up on on two particular things that you just said. The first is that millennials were so comfortable with technology And we're pushing for us to be able to use technology in ways that made older generations and other folks just not so comfortable. And and that really resonates for me because I was using technology in my business with my clients in ways that probably made some of them uncomfortable. And of course, then the pandemic, we all had to get used to it. And now we're like, oh, yeah, it really wasn't so hard. Like, sure, we got (laughs) past the learning curve, but we didn't want to listen to the millennials or or the Gen Z. We didn't want to to listen to the younger folks because there is a real fear and a learning curve when it comes to using technology. And, you know, that's going to probably going to continue, right? For generations, my husband and I always joke that our kids are going to eventually someday say, mom, how do you not know to use the teleporter machine? Like it's, <laughs> it's yeah. going to keep happening. And I think it's so important for us as any leader and any manager ages and moves in past, you know, growing in our career and there's younger generations coming up that they're going to always be more comfortable with new technology. And we need to kind of lean into that as opposed to be afraid of it. So that's the first thing. And the second I want to pick up on is this idea of continual change and that if we can do something better that we should. And Like that idealism that I think is also often attributed to the younger generations is (laughs) such a gift when it comes to the workplace. And again, it's hard when you are saying, why, if it's not broken, let's not fix it. And we have so many other important things to do. And we we can't cut all these steps and we can't make all these shortcuts. And and when you see it from a place of I'm lazy, I don't want to do the work. I see how someone could say, yeah, sure, you're entitled and you're lazy. But if you're seeing it from the lens of, no, we could actually be more effective. We could be more productive. We could do so much more if we revised our processes and adopted new tools. And if we embrace, again, these younger generations that are going to keep on coming as we get older and see them as an opportunity to bring new perspective, fresh insight like that's just such a gift that we we can embrace as opposed to turn away. Yeah, you ex- you actually stole it from my mouth. It's it's that that perception change. So when you think about it, we both look at technology very differently. The younger generations see technology as a way of reducing the number of steps, but the older generation that's not comfortable with technology, they see it as more steps because for them, they don't fully intuitively understand it. So they think, oh, no, what if I make a mistake here? What if it's this? What if it's that? So they go into that what if uncomfortable anxiety attacks around technology, which it can be cured. It has been cured because it's only maybe you got to make a mistake once or twice. you got to do a bit of troubleshooting. But once you learn how to do it, it becomes a lot easier. But the older generation typically tend to lean in with the older way of doing things because that to them is lesser steps and going through technology-based ways of doing the same thing is like more work for them because they are not as savvy when it comes to technology. 
Oh, it's so important to remember that too, that if we are the ones who feel really comfortable with this, that we need to look up the generations too and recognize that it's not always so easy for them. And so it's not just that they're being resistant because they want to be annoying to us, but they're being resistant because in their mind, it actually is more work. It's not less work. And therefore, we kind of have to find the right balance as a manager between bringing on new technology and listening to younger folks or or anyone really who is kind of embracing that and helping older folks or people who are maybe more resistant to get them past that that learning curve and that hump so that we can all kind of win together. Absolutely, yes. All right. So maybe you have a story about a millennial or an experience from yourself where you were maybe facing some of these stereotypes or challenges and were able to kind of move move past them. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So just the other day, my sister, I was I was entering the lift and there was this delivery man, right? So here in Singapore, we have a lot of delivery services. So right to the doorstep. And this delivery person was delivering just a few packets of chips, right? Potato chips. And I was thinking, wow, who orders potato chips? Like you can just go in, go down, walk for five minutes and get it anyway. And then when I, when I, and my sister is around like about 10 years younger than me, right? So we have a bit of a gap there. So she's pretty much like on the cusp of a Gen Z. So I find out that this guy is actually coming to my house, right? So <laughs> I'm like, okay, let, let me let me take that over and I'll hand it over to my sister, right? And then I ask her like, why did you why did you actually just order the potato chips online? You know, you're wasting money. Just it's almost like the delivery cost is as much as the chips. Why do you have to do that? Why why wouldn't you just go down to the shop? And then he's like, do you know how much the delivery costs? It's even lesser than that, right? So it's it was such a minimal amount, and and then and then that got me thinking. Oh wow! I almost judged my sister for ordering potato chips because I thought, as an individual myself, I would have just walked all the way, spent the ten minutes, and then bought the things and walked back. And, but what she was thinking was, it's so it's such a small amount. It's not even it's not even like six or seven dollars kind of to get the delivery. It was way lesser, right? It was like about 50 cents or so just to get the delivery. So that's when I realized it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of making judgments about people, about why wouldn't you do this when you could have done this, right? And that that's when I realized that we should always always clarify by asking questions from a place of curiosity, not from a place of accusation, but from a place of curiosity so that we don't uh, become a victim of the confirmation bias that sometimes, you know, sometimes we pick up stories or pick up ideas from other people and then we see it happen or play out in real life. And we automatically say, yes, wow, this is exactly how the other person said it. But we should always take the extra step by being curious and asking them, why did you do this instead of that? I'm just, I'm just curious because yeah, I would have done this, but I'm really curious to know why you have done it this way. And because I was curious and I asked my sister, I realized that there's more to the picture when I ask for the finer details and the devil is in the details. So you really need to, to really understand the person from where they are at before we actually make any judgments about whether they're being entitled, demanding, and things like that, right? So that's just a very day-to-day example that I can immediately share because it happened to me. I love that. And it is so important to not 
make those assumptions. And if we do make assumptions, because we all do, to actually question them and to not allow those preconceived notions and biases to get in our way. It's so, so, so important and something that every manager can do whenever we find ourselves judging our colleagues or or them <laughs> judging each other, right? To like step in and, and be curious. Like that's such an important tool that we can have in our toolbox. So I want to go back to this idea of other things that are going on with the younger generations that maybe the older generations are are misinterpreting or things that we can maybe learn from the younger generations. And another one that comes up is this idea of of hard work and resilience. And, you know, I used to work so hard. We had these conditions and like, I can't like, why are the younger generations getting away with this? And just all of the stuff that comes with like the quiet quitting and wanting work-life balance and and some of those kind of, I think you call that like the toxic badge of honor. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I was at a panel discussion where they were, you know, asking millennials uh, a few questions. So we had another millennial speaker, right? And she she was just sharing that there are all these preconceived expectations that the older generation tend to have, and they tend to want to see things the same way happen for the younger generation, as opposed to wanting it to be better for the younger generation. So I'll give you an example, right? So if if the norm back then, like how they say it is, back in my day, my manager used to shout at me, they'll throw the files around and they'll embarrass you in front of your colleagues. Today, there's none of that, right? So what are you crying about? Or what are you What are you so up- upset about? So their point of reference is a very toxic environment where their leader was very toxic to them, right? So that's their, that's like their set point. And that's their reference point that they are looking at when it comes to this is bad. What I'm doing to you, giving you snide remarks, being sarcastic, that's nothing. So when you compare that to what they are going through, it's still toxic. You just, the, the, the leader doesn't realize that they are still toxic. The way that they are doing things is based on their experiences, not based on whether it's good or not for the person in front of them. So that's what they mean by toxic badge of honor because I've been through the worst. It's like the 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 war heroes always feel pride that we went through the bad life, right? We went through the, the tough life. But that's not the ideal that you want to have for the younger generations and the future generations. You want to make sure that the future generations have a better working life in the corporate world. You want to make sure that you are able to to make it a lot more easier to work with one another. It's not as violent or as abusive. Right? You want to make sure the working environment is something that people look forward to, right? So that so that they can thrive and they can do their best work. But when you have when you have people who have been through so much, it's very hard for them to accept that being in a very nice, cohesive, wonderful environment can also be the norm. So don't wear that toxic badge of honor. Basically means you don't say that because I went through that, this is nothing. That's that's something that people should stop referring to right you shouldn't you shouldn't accept it just because you went through it doesn't mean that the younger generation have to go through that let's strive to be to provide a better working environment for uh, the younger generation as opposed to saying this is nothing and discounting their experiences that that's stressing them out so 
things like the blue tick anxiety that we'll talk about later, the ghosting, all of these are the current stresses on the millennials and the Gen Zs. Well, it may seem like nothing to the older generation because they've been through worse, right? So so it's there's this discounting that happens. There's this kind of like waving away all their experiences as not being serious enough or bad enough, right? So I've had it worse than you. So you don't get to complain. That's That's the kind of thing that you don't want to hear from your boss. Totally. And it's so helpful to... One, to just recognize that the standard is not the worst and therefore anything better than that is great, that actually the standard is what an amazing workplace is and we should be striving towards that, not kind of running from the bad behind us and and comparing ourselves to the bad. We really should be comparing ourselves to what the ideal is and what what a good, healthy workplace looks like. And I think- exactly. And I can totally understand as a manager why, even if you're not doing really, truly toxic things, if you're like, I don't understand why people are complaining that I'm asking them to work late for a couple of weeks. Like, I used to work late every night. And even if you're only doing it and (laughs) saying it to yourself, right, or you're complaining to your partner at home, that even that is is just not necessary, right? Like, it's totally fair to say, like, actually, no one should ever have to work late. Like, We should all be striving for a world in which work can be contained to a set number of hours and we can truly have balance in our lives. So rather than complaining, as you said, about why are they giving me a hard time, they have it so much easier than I did, actually saying, no, my job is to strive and make it even better for them than than I had it, not just incrementally better. So I, I love that. I just I love that framing and that mindset shift that we can make as managers. So I want you to tell me more about ghosting and blue tick anxiety, because those are terms I haven't heard. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, people ask me, like, what are some millennial specific, you know, behaviors that the older generation don't have, right? Because well, how are they really that different from us? And I say, yes, there are some differences that we see in behavior because of the influence of technology and social media. So I'll start with ghosting. Ghosting is something that we see particularly in the younger generation. So, of course, when you're in your 20s, you're also dating around quite a bit, right? You, now, nowadays, it's it's about you're using a certain app, swiping left and right, and then you meet up with a person, right? Maybe you don't really enjoy this person that you have kind of matched with, right? And then you don't want to continue hanging out, right, with this person. But so instead of saying, look, I don't, it was a, it was a, great time together, but now I don't think I want to see you again. They don't actually have that conversation. What they do is instead they focus on just blocking the person uh, on all their social media platforms and not having to have the kind of difficult conversation, right? So they basically just uh, ghost you. They, 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 they become yes. a ghost, they disappear, right? And they don't give you the answer. So the person who... It's on the other end, right? They don't even realize that this person has ghosted them until they find that they've been blocked on all the other platforms because it's so easy for us to just click a button, block the person, and then move on to the next person, right? But they don't realize the damage it does to the other party, how, how hurt the other person feels, how many questions they have which are left unanswered, and they have that, that lack of closure, Right, so it it is a very unique behavior we're seeing in the younger generations compared to the older gen. Older generations don't 
I don't think they really ghost people. <laughs> so we've not seen that kind of behavior. In fact, for them, that would have been, that would fall under being unprofessional. So yeah. we see this behavior in the younger generation because the social media and today's tech, the technology today, it makes it so easy for us to block people that I don't need to have a conversation to explain why I block you. I can just you know, click a button and it's so much easier for me to just move on with my life as opposed to giving you an explanation, telling you why it didn't work out, what didn't work out, you know, what you can do better. I don't need to go through all that mess. It's so much easier for me to just disappear. So that's ghosting. And we see that happen mostly in the romantic side of relationships, but we also see in candidates who are going for interviews, right? They go for multiple interviews. At the final interview, when the offer is made, they ghost, right? Which is very frustrating for the recruiters because they thought, I found the one, and then this person just suddenly disappears and then doesn't respond at all, right? And it, it leaves a lot of HR leaders and recruiters perplexed. What did we do? What did we say or what did we do? Was the offer bad? Was it good? They don't get any kind of feedback that way as well. So we do see some of these behaviors falling into the workplace as well. We also do notice another behavior, which is the blue tick anxiety. The blue tick anxiety is basically when you send a WhatsApp message and you have two blue ticks, that means the person has received and read your message. And and the younger generation, when they send a message to their boss, for example, and they see that the boss has read it, there's two blue ticks and hasn't responded. It's been a few hours, right? Hasn't responded. They start to panic and think, did I send it wrongly? Did I, do I need to rephrase it? Do I need to paraphrase those things that I send? Is my boss angry right now, right? Because there's no response, there's no acknowledgement, nothing other than the two blue ticks. And they get anxious. They get anxious over what the boss is thinking and should I delete that message and rewrite it again? And some actually even do, right? They, they think that maybe it's my, I didn't say it professionally enough. And then they rewrite the same message in a different manner, and they send it hoping that they get a better response. Whereas they are very averse to picking up the phone and calling their manager and asking, hey, did you read that message I sent to you or on WhatsApp, right? I just wanted to check in on these things with you, right? Sometimes bosses, we see the message, but we get distracted and we forget to respond to the person and a simple call would have fixed it. But instead of making that simple call, what they do is they go through this anxiety attack until the boss responds or they rewrite their message and then the boss reads the message and then they and then they move on with the topic so this is something that we notice in the younger generations as well wow okay so first of all ghosting totally i never had thought about that in the work environment i've always assumed that was something that just happens out kind of in the in the dating world or kind of the the friend or frenemy world totally mm. makes sense. And actually, my husband was ghosted. He was hiring two people, had six interviews set up, and only two people showed up for the interview. Four people just didn't even show up, didn't mm. write back to him, <laughs> didn't respond to his messages, like nothing, just totally didn't show up. So yeah, that is real. And I could also see how it might play out in the workplace where people are conflict avoidant. And so they yeah. they choose to kind of shy away from and not respond to certain emails and kind of try to like block out any of that, that that makes them uncomfortable because they don't want to address it. And that as managers, we need to 
make sure that they're not getting away with that because it is unprofessional and it doesn't make for a good team culture. So if people aren't responding to hard emails or they're opting out of of feedback sessions or anything else, that actually we just we actually need to support our younger team members to get more comfortable with being in those uncomfortable conversations. Absolutely. Yes. That is one area I think uh, the younger generation can learn from the older generation, which is to have face-to-face conversations and and really trash things out if if they need to be trashed out, right? Instead of holding on to it and not dealing with the problem at hand. Completely. And I feel like it's similar with this blue tick anxiety that we need to kind of be clear about our norms and expectations around communication because nobody wants to be responsible for having for having to immediately respond every time they read something. I mean, that is just like an unreasonable expectation <laughs> given the complexity of work these days and the number of communication platforms that we have to manage and all the stuff on our plates in life. So we are bombarded. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so I feel like there this is another place where getting clear on expectations of when will I be checking things and what, how long you can expect me until to respond and how long, if I haven't responded, should you follow up with me? And that just because I read something doesn't mean I'm avoiding you. If I don't respond, it's because I'm thinking about it or I'm doing other things and I will get back to it when I get back to it. And like that's mm. another way that I think you're saying older generations can really support their younger colleagues to to kind of take a step back and take a breath and just let let the communications flow without all the stress. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together. So Vivek, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Sure. So for me, the great manager happened to be someone that I met when I was serving a national service. So in Singapore, we served two years with the army. And um, in my training, right, there was about, I think, uh, about seven, there was about 10 of us and we had one sergeant. And just to let you know uh, the different terms, so we have a platoon. So a platoon is like four different sections and we have a company which has four different platoons. So out of that entire company, which has so many people and so many leaders, Right, our leader was the only one who never raised his voice, but still managed to discipline us and show us the right way to do things and to show us his expectations and his standards that was required of us. Whereas all the other sergeants who were training their their team members and cadets will you will resort to shouting, abuse. They would punish you. They would use their rank. Right to really show you who they were, that they were the boss. But our sergeant, I remember his name, Sergeant James, he would never raise his voice. He didn't find the need to raise his voice. And yet he was able to communicate very calmly in a very composed manner what were his expectations, what we did wrong when we did something wrong. He would explain things to us. And then he would always smile, right? And that was very uncharacteristic of someone who's in the army, getting people to do things and with a certain sense of urgency. And and it always amazed me that how was he able to do this and maintain who he was as an individual without compromising on the results that were required? Because at the end of the day, as a manager, 
you want to make sure that the entire team works better together, right? And he managed to do that. And I was, I, I'm still in awe of how he managed to do that. Wow, that is incredible and such a good representation that we don't need to resort to those toxic behaviors to get things done, that there are many, many other strategies that are at our hands that we can employ and get the same and often better results. So love that. All right. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just go to LinkedIn. Um, You can also link up the link, maybe in the show notes for my LinkedIn profile. It's linkedin.com slash in slash millennial expert Asia. Right, or you can just type my full name in Vivek Yani V I V E K I Y Y A N I, and I'm happy to connect. I will accept all connections. So, yeah, that's the best place to find me. Otherwise, you can also look me up on Google. You should be able to find my website vivekyani.com. Thank you so much again. Really wonderful conversation. I love getting to think about just the different generations and what we all can bring to the workplace. So, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I really liked our conversation today. Vivek is providing one copy of his latest book, The Millennial Leader, Working Across Generations in the New Normal, to a member of the Modern Manager community at the patron level. To become a member and get access to dozens of past special offers like worksheets, discount codes, and eBooks, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter along with the episode mini sketch note that captures one of my key takeaways from the conversation. Get on the list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.